Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, thank you much, Eric. Now it's time for the 4 o'clock resets. Top stories of the day, all put into one segment. This is where you go to get caught up on everything that is going on in sports. We start with the Phoenix Suns, who got their doors blown off last night by the Dallas Mavericks, 130 to 111, the final score. Suns dropped to 16 and 8 on the season. Zero points for Devin Booker in the first quarter. First time he's done that since December of 2019. It's been a while. Then, of course, on the opposite end of the MVP spectrum, it was the Luka Doncic show again. He was outstanding 33 points, six rebounds, eight assists. And apparently, Gambo, he's made it his mission to stick it to the Suns whenever he gets the chance. Yeah, he, he was really dominant. They, and they got every switch that they wanted, and it worked out to his liking. And they doubled book. They threw two guys at him. They wanted to turn him into a passer and not let him get going. The plan worked to perfection. Good job. The Mavericks, they've outcoached the Suns when they played him, too. Not just the players, but they have outcoached the Suns in the meetings against them. Yeah, it's been a struggle, no doubt about it. And, of course, they got a ton of help, the Mavs did, from Christian Wood, who had 18 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. hit five threes. Spencer Dinwiddie hit five threes. Right. The Mavs as a whole hit 20 threes when it was all said and done. And the Suns were 13 out of 37 yeah. from three-point range. It was a struggle, and the Suns mm-hmm. were, were 15 points in the first quarter. They never had much of a chance in this game, and of course they get blown out by 19 points when it's all said and done. Next up for the Suns, at home tomorrow against the team with the best Ooh, record in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. I wish they were at full, I wish they were at full strength. I, I wish really they were do. too. I wish they were too, and we haven't got any word on Chris Paul or, or, um, or anybody really that's been hurt. Of course, Cam Johnson we know isn't going to play, so we'll see what guys are available for that game. Meanwhile, the Coyotes last night, they dropped their second to the last game of this epic road trip. They lose last night to the Calgary Flames. The Coyotes have one more game on the road to wrap up a 14-game road trip before their home against Boston on Friday. Yeah, just not playing well. You know, Vimelka can only do so so much, um, but they've lost uh, what, what they've they've won one of their last 10 games. Yes. Kadri got the game winner last night. Uh, Calgary wins that game 3-2. They're playing good. Gostas Bear and Chikrin scored for the Coyotes, uh, but they are really struggling right now. They'll be coming home for a few games and finally end this long road streak. And then, of course, last night on Monday Night Football, Tom Brady, my favorite stat of last night's 17-16 win by the Bucs. There's a lot of them. With eight seconds on the clock when the ball was snapped, Tom Brady threw the latest game-winning touchdown pass of his career. They were down 16-3 to in the fourth quarter of that game against the Saints and rallied to win. Brady was 0-37 in the regular season, 1-43 including playoffs, when trailing by at least 13 points in the fourth quarter with the only win coming in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. And then they beat the Saints last night. It was crazy. It was crazy to watch. And because the Suns game was such a blowout, I was actually able to watch it because I turned my attention to that one. So the Saints lose. The Bucks get a big win when it comes to that NFC. South. Now, we heard from Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury today for the first time in a while. Of course, he gave the team the whole week off with the bye, and they're all starting to kind of trickle back in and get ready for work. Cliff today met with the media, gave us an update on a slew of injuries. First up, wide receivers Greg Dortch and Rondell Moore. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, at least one of those guys will be ready. Dortch um, has made big strides, so I think he'll uh, have a chance to go. All right. On offensive lineman Rodney Hudson 
Watson and Will Hernandez. He was hopeful that one of them would be back in time for the Patriots game on Monday. I don't think either will be back this week, next week, possibly. I'd say that's the soonest that either one could be back. I think we should just play the MASH theme song every time we talk about the Cardinals <laughs> while we're at ah. it. Cornerback Byron Murphy Jr. I'd say he's day-to-day. Yeah, he, he's talked to him today. He said he, he's feeling better. I don't know if he'll make it in time for the game, but definitely improved. Yeah, it's uh, continues to be, even with the bye week, continues to be a mess it's, with it, the injuries. They've just haven't been healthy all year. Cardinals have re-signed defensive lineman Michael Dogby and linebacker Blake Lynch to the practice squad as well. And congratulations to tight end Zach Ertz, even though he's out for the year too. He was named the Cardinals Walter Payton Man of the Year oh, for 2022. That. Good for him. Great. That's a great it's, accomplishment. It's a great Good for him. Yeah. For anybody on any team to get that award, it means you're really giving back to your community. Yes. Of course, he will compete with the other 31 Men of the Year in the NFL to see who gets the final award. And of course, uh, J.J. Watt, I didn't see this. You did. Got a special blend of Sour Patch Kids from the company that was deemed J.J.'s Mix. Yeah. Only blue and orange flavored gummies in the mix. Apparently. I actually saw that on our fantastic website, ArizonaSports.com, where there's a story up by the Haboob blog, and they talked, I don't, I don't like any of that sour stuff. Like, I don't even, you know, Sour Patch Kids and gummies, and my kids love it. My kids love the sour stuff. I can't but stand the sour I don't, stuff. I don't touch that stuff. I'm not touching it. Can't stand Sometimes it. Sometimes we go to these crazy candy stores in other countries, and they've got these, you know, these real dangerous, like, you know, you, yeah, you probably can't keep this in your mouth for more than, like, 20 seconds type of stuff. My kids always try it. I'm like, I want no part of that. They have those here, too, you know. Do they? Yes. No. <laughs> I just maybe I need to take my kids to more candy stores. <laughs> Probably. ASU coaching staff tracker reportedly Kenny Dillingham is getting the youngest position coach in the NFL. The Rams yeah. Rashad Samples as a wide receiver coach and pass game coordinator. He's 28 years old. He's the first coach that Dillingham's hired who's younger than he is. How about that? Yeah. Saga. Yeah, I, I, oh, think go ahead. I, I think that's great. Listen, and just to remind him, we're gonna have Kenny Dillingham in studio tomorrow for three yeah. segments. I was gonna remind everybody of that, but there's a couple of other coaching uh, announcements to make here too. Saga Tuatele leaves his role as the Fresno State offensive line coach and run game coordinator. He will be the offensive line coach for ASU. That's according to On Three's Matt Zenitz, who also reports that TCU recruiting coordinator and offensive analyst Brian Carrington will join ASU as cornerbacks coach. So Dillingham filling out his staff. Filling out his staff and uh, working with the portal and meeting the media. Man, that guy's running around like a chicken without a head right now. And we'll have him in studio tomorrow at 2.15, as Gambo mentioned, for three segments. The president of ASU, Dr. Michael Crow, speaking to our State of the Sun Devils podcast on Kenny Dillingham today. Coach Dillingham brings an unbelievable commitment to ASU, a commitment to Arizona, a commitment to all the things that we're doing, and he brings a spirit matched with an unbelievably football brain. Uh, and so he brings in this unbelievable innovation capability in football itself, which is score, 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 win, win, win. And so we think we're going to see great things from that. I have to play that soundbite for Coach Dillingham tomorrow just to embarrass him a little bit. My goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, so far, good reviews on the coaching staff for sure. Former ASU offensive lineman Ladarius Henderson has chosen Michigan as his next home. <laughs> he announced that on Twitter, wow. continuing the trend that we saw last year of ASU players getting in the transfer portal. And ending up at places like USC, 
LSU, Florida, Louisville, like top programs are where some of these players are headed. It looks like Ladarius Henderson is doing the same thing. He's headed to Michigan. Meanwhile, down south in Tucson, wide receiver Jacob Cowing announced that he is staying at the University that's of Arizona. That's big, right? That's, a, that's big for them to get Cowing to stay. Such a great player. And uh, he was one of their big transfers that came in last year. And he made that announcement that he's going to run it back with the Wildcats. From the NFL, the Titans have fired general manager John Robinson. We'll get into this a little bit later, but I can tell you certainly a lot of Cardinal fans wondering if the Titans can fire a GM who had just been signed to an extension in February, whether the Cardinals would follow suit, especially given that the Titans generally have had more success than the Cardinals have. Well, Robinson was 66 and 43 as their GM. He had uh, guided, you know, that team, that team made the AFC Championship game in 2019. They were number one seed in the playoffs last year, got upset by Cincinnati. Uh, but their drafts have been bad. They made a bad A.J. Brown trade, but they're still in first place right now and likely going back to the playoffs. Doctors concluded today that 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo does not need foot injury. It is not a Liz Franck injury, and as long as rehab goes smoothly, he could have a chance to return in seven to eight weeks. Six weeks from now is the wild card weekend. There's even some reports that if it goes even better than that, he could be back in time for the wild wow. card round. So he went from being out for the season to maybe back in time for the wild card round. And oh, by the way, in a related story, the Rams claimed quarterback Baker Mayfield today off of waivers. And says he might be able to play on Thursday. And says he could if play he could get Thursday. enough of the playbook down, he might be able to play on Thursday. According to ESPN's Ed Werder, the Dallas Cowboys have concerns after Odell Beckham Jr.'s physical that his recovery from a torn ACL in the Super Bowl has not progressed enough to ensure him he would play before the playoffs and that possibly no team signs him until 2023 because wow. everyone's unsure about his level of health and whether he can contribute in time for the playoffs now, He was or not. at the basketball game last night, too. He was. Wasn't the, he at the basketball the game? The OBJ chant that broke out last night. Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones said on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, there is no timeline for a decision on adding Odell Beckham Jr. to the yeah, roster. Yeah, everybody so we'll thought see. that he would come back and play this year, but he not, might not be able to. Yep, he might not. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, yes, they have the Suns number. Yes, he has the Suns number. What can the Suns do to solve the Luka problem? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Nah, it's not. It's only a good sign if the other team has 14. <laughs> that didn't happen. Monty Williams. <laughs> the question from Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central. And, and you know what? Uh, while we've got a second here, a special thanks to Dwayne Rankin because he's really the only reporter, dedicated reporter, who covers the Suns on the road. So a lot of the sound that we get when they're on the road comes from Dwayne's Twitter account. He posts so much of it. Uh, so we do aggregate it, use it. We appreciate Dwayne Rankin for letting us use it from AZ Central. Um, so we want to make sure we give him all the credit in the world. Yeah, not a good sign to only score 15 points in the first mm-hmm. quarter and Monty jokes, yeah, unless the other team's scoring 14. No, right. it's not a good sign at all. Um, there was there was nothing about last night's game to like. Nothing. Uh, not Devin Booker's zero points in the first quarter. Not the 15 points in the first quarter for the whole team. Not the way they didn't compete. Not the way they didn't defend. And most of all, this kind of 
nauseating control it feels like the Dallas Mavericks have over you if you're a Suns fan, right? I mean, that was the that was probably my number one takeaway from last night's game is is I feel like I'm watching these Suns Mavericks game on a loop, and it's just game six all over again, game seven all over again. Hell, even the season opener this year all over again. It's just like what. Power do they have over the Suns? Because they are dominating them in these games that they're playing. Yeah, they they just have a really good game plan for Phoenix and, and the matchups and everything. But you know, you look at that game last night, and you you know the Suns just to me they it was the stops. It was they ended up with 111 points. Sure, they had a bad first quarter. Booker missed his first, I think, six shots. I think I got this note right here. Book misses his sixth straight straight shot to start the game. Lee turns it over. Da misses a short jumper all in one sequence they just didn't play very well and so you get down by 18 and they don't really recover very well against although they did in the first game they that they played against game. and they right. were down and by 22 they came back and won but they never really got back into this game and I kept watching it and watching it to kind of see if they'll make a little bit of a run but they never really made the run I mean you know they they opened up the second quarter with a shot clock violation Payne missed everything they had a shot clock violation and you know Dario his his shot blocked by Christian would it just it just they never got the offense going and then defensively it was like they just couldn't get the the, the the amount of stops that they needed when you're down by that many you just can't get them you know the Mavericks were able to score at will yeah they were uh, and I think last night too was the first night and I'm sure if I really thought about it and I thought of some other examples I could come up with it last night felt like the first night where they were really bringing a knife to a gunfight with their roster you know, where, where it's just no Tory Craig, no Chris Paul, no Cam Johnson, no Dwayne Washington Jr., right? Like, like, eventually. When it was over, you felt like that. When it was over, going in, did you feel like that going in? No, going in because they had managed it so well up until yeah. that point, right? And, and they had gotten their guys rest the night before, even though it was a back to back. Yep. They didn't play a lot of minutes in that Spurs game. Mikel Bridges played 26. Devin Booker played 28, if I, if I remember right, from the Spurs game. So they were able to limit their, their guys' minutes. No, I, I, I could go back and look. I could probably look at a game and go, okay, yeah, that felt like a knife to a gunfight kind of game. But for the most part, the Suns have been able to manage their injuries, manage their depth and and deal with it no matter who they're playing. Last night was the first night where I thought Monty just doesn't have enough right now to be able to keep. And that's the thing. It's not like the Mavericks are that good. They're that good against the Suns. But this is a team that Luka Doncic was putting up numbers like that over a stretch of five or six games. They went one in five with that. They're they're so reliant on their other guys to hit threes. And that was a big part of last night's show, too. They hit 23-pointers. Hardaway had five. Dinwiddie had five. Christian Wood, who's been hot and cold all year, he had a really good, good game last night. He had night, a good right? game. He's torched just go look at the two games he's had against the Suns. Like, he doesn't play well against anybody else. Is it just, like, just yeah. the Suns? Luka got his numbers. He got help from everybody else last night. The Suns didn't have any answers for that defensively. And so it's for the, the line that stood out to me, and, and Kellen Olsen wrote it, so I'll give him credit in his game recap today on ArizonaSports.com. He wrote, quote, The Phoenix Suns will eventually play a basketball game against the Dallas Mavericks that does not bring up terrible memories for their fans. Monday was not that game. And he is absolutely right. Because all I could think of on Monday was, man, I've seen this before. This is reminiscent of game six and seven. Yep. I mean, it was. 
You know, Dallas just takes control of the game. You never make a run. I mean, after the game, there's all these memes about Luca, you know, carrying Book in his arms and cradling, you know, baby Book, and then he owns him, and, you know, Book in a cradle, and Brooke, Book in a, a stroller. And uh, I was watching that all last night as the, uh, as, uh, you know, after the game was over, I was doing some work and getting ready for the show today. And it was just so much of that stuff going on. Just, you know, Mavs Phoenix was a trending topic, and that was a lot of the memes and the Mavs fans just having some fun with it because Book, Book played so poorly in that game. And the Mavs decided to run two guys at him every time and take the ball out of his hands. And, you know, and Booker's, we talked about that the other day against the Spurs, right? Didn't he have like eight assists in that game? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So eight assists, didn't have to score a lot of points, but he was able to facilitate. Well, this game, it didn't really work very well because they didn't shoot the ball very well. No, it didn't. It, you know, I'm looking back at the Suns' schedule. Chris Paul hurt himself against Philadelphia. Since then, they've lost to Orlando, Miami on back-to-back games. You saw on that Friday night up in Salt Lake City, Houston uh, a couple days ago, and then Dallas last night. Um, looking at the results of those games, okay, yeah, Orlando, but they weren't, you know, against Orlando, they were no Cam Johnson, no Chris Paul. They got blown out. Okay, maybe they were bringing a knife to a gunfight in that one, but Orlando's not very good. Last night was just the first night where they looked completely overmatched. Like, they just didn't have enough talent to compete, and, and that's appropriate because this week you got Boston tomorrow. You got New Orleans on Friday. You got New Orleans again, again on Sunday. Right. You know, you've got this week that is going to test you a little bit and and which is why Monty after the game and I keep playing this says we don't know when Chris Paul's going to be back. We don't know when Tory Craig's going to be back. We hope. We don't know yet. And I don't want to put anything on that, but we hope that those guys are getting closer. Are they going to play? I don't know. You know, I can't even speculate on that right now. Um, but we'll find out more, get more information as we head home and, and um, evaluate everything. And look, it's this fine. Odd. It, it, what with Chris this Paul? Chris Paul thing it's is just very odd. I mean, the guy hasn't played it. Tomorrow's a month. Yeah. They said it's just a sore heel. Yep. Like, why is, why is that not healed? It's a month. Monday, November 7th was when he injured against the Philadelphia 76. Right, and, they were t- and I remember there was like, you know, there was they were, there was a lot of talk then. Okay, he'll be back for, what was the like the schedule, the Miami game. They thought he might have been back, so that was November 7th. The, but the 14th, I remember that, you know, this, there was a, there were two games in a row on the road, Orlando, Orlando and Miami. Miami. Yep. Friday, Monday. And I remember the Suns. The Suns thought he'll be back for one of those two. He's close. He'll be back for, you know, if he does out there for the Orlando game, he'll be back, be back for the Miami game. The Miami game was November 14th. Mm-hmm. Like, has, you know, it's hard to think that there wasn't a setback or that the injury was, it's hard to think that the injury wasn't worse. Although, you know, they're not, you know, they're not saying anything other than he's just, it's not an Achilles. If it was something more, we tell you, we like to be honest with you guys. James Jones is very upfront. I, I do give him that. It's just odd that Chris Paul has been out for a month with a, a typical heel injury. Yeah, no, it, it has been odd. And and you point out what James Jones had to say a week, week and a half ago, and I was going to do the same thing. He said, look, if it were something else, we tell you guys. That's how we operate around here. It's not something else. It's just a heel. But we continue to wait and wait and wait to see when he's going to be back. Look, no one's no one should lose their mind about a game early December. There's still so much season to go. But I do think in the back your mind. Dallas is there. And if you're a Suns player, I got to think at the back of your mind, Dallas is there. Right? Like that team, you know, if you believe in somebody having your number or not, I got to think if you're a fan or God help you, if you're a player, you're thinking in the back of your mind, can we beat them? 
Are we capable of beating them now? You went to that long stretch where you could do nothing but beat them. Have the tables turned so badly that now you wonder whether you're capable of beating that organization? Yeah, they could get not. in your head for sure. I mean, you know, it's a t- you know, it's a it's a tough match. Which is why we when we talk about the Jay Crowder trade, like. You know, you need another long athletic wing guy that can defend. Yeah. You don't need a guard. You don't need a center. Like, you know, what they prefer is a wing player that you could throw another wing guy out there that gives you another option to defend against a guy like Luca. All this week, listen to the Wolf and Luke show for the Pantera callout. When you hear Wolf do the callout, as I did this morning driving in, dial 602-260-9870 for your chance to win tickets to see Metallica and Pantera at State Farm Stadium on September 1st. When we come back, when does Sean Payton want to return to coaching? According to Sean Payton, sooner rather than later. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A lot of recency bias in our Twitter poll question of the day today, but that's okay. We're kind of falling prey to it as well. Let's turn it back over to Eric, see what he's got for our Twitter poll question of the day here. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Hey, what's up, Eric? I think recency bias maybe with the size of the lead, but I don't know about the winner. I feel like you could ask this question. Most people would pick who's leading now uh, because of the history between these two teams. But the question is, for the Suns, out of these four teams, who would you least like to see in a playoff scenario? The Mavericks are there, the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and the Denver Nuggets. So basically the second Second place, third place, fourth place, and tenth place teams. Correct. In the Western Conference, you called it recent uh, recency, bias. recency bias. Yeah, because the last thing on your mind is them getting their asses kicked by the Mavs last night. Yeah. If we ask that question on Monday, and the Suns get their asses kicked by the Pelicans on Friday and Sunday, we're getting a totally different answer. People go, oh, man, I don't want to play that team in the playoffs. Look at them. They're really good, right? I mean, it's, that's recency bias. If the Pelicans blow out the Mavs, we'll redo the – or blow out the Suns, we'll redo the poll with just but, those but, two uh, options. But I, I agree. I still say it's the Mavs. I, 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 and I agree with those who said this isn't recency bias. Maybe that's affecting the overall numbers. The Mavs would appear to be a very, very, very bad matchup for this team. Very bad matchup right. for this and team. That's what it's, yeah, that's what you look at. Look, the Mavs beat the Suns. The Suns beat the Pelicans. Now, there was no Zion last year. Right. Uh, and the Pelicans are second place in the West right now. Yes. Like, they're playing really well. They got a great team. They made good trades. They've got good young players. They're going to be a threat over the next couple of years, but they may, may not be ready this year. What uh, What does our audience say on this one? This one, an absolute blowout. 66.2% going with the Mavericks. 23.3% going with the Pelicans. A combined 10% for Grizzlies and Nuggets, but you add up the Two, three, and four seeds in the West. It's not even close to coming to what the tenth seed is polling right now. We didn't even put the Warriors. It's kind of crazy. Didn't didn't even see the point in putting the Warriors. And Clay Thompson had been playing much better lately, right? And a lot of people still feel that they'll find a way to make a run. All right, you can find that poll question on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. Well, he didn't mention the Cardinals specifically, but Sean Payton, former coach of the New Orleans Saints, and of course now on Fox, was on the Let's Go podcast yesterday. Yesterday and said, yes, I absolutely want to coach again. I know that I want to coach again, and and I, it's not really been a, a secret, but I want to find the right spot, and as Tom alluded to, you know, 
it's still about the people because uh, when it's all done and it's quiet, it, it, I, I don't think it's the uh, the the money or the crowd cheers or the trophies or any of that other stuff. I think it's about the the journey with the people that you really enjoy. Tom, of course, is Tom Brady. It's his podcast. Here's one more from Sean Payton. He wants to be back this year or next. I don't like to see or look at coaches that are currently working and predict like what what jobs will be open. Our league's kind of funny. There's always a lot of turnover. It seems more and more now, you know, average of, of six, about six or seven teams a year. So we'll kind of see what happens, but, uh, but sooner than later, though, Jim, in fairness to that question, I, I, I think that, you know, it's not this year, hopefully next year. I'm- that, that was the, that was Jim Gray? I believe so, yeah. And didn't he just do Colin Coward the other day? Yes. He's like making the rounds. A little bit. A little bit. So he's, he's kind of, and I just may be a friendly guy like that, but he's kind of making the rounds. And, and he works in the media, so I'm sure Fox kind of wants him to make the rounds. But yes, I, I, I noticed the same thing. Like, it's been a lot of Sean Payton, and it's been a lot of Sean Payton make sure his name is out there. Now, I don't think he needs to do that. I think everybody knows Sean Payton is, is hireable. I think everybody knows Sean Payton wants to get back into coaching, but he certainly, and look, Sean Payton's a really smart guy, too. He knows that fan base Cases like here in Arizona are going to hear Sean Payton and his availability and his desire to get back into coaching. Right. And they're going to get whipped into a frenzy over it, right? Like ever since that initial report two weeks ago linking the Cardinals to Sean Payton, it feels like we've talked about Sean Payton every three or four days, you know? Oh, he said this. Oh, he said that. Maybe he wants to coach here. Maybe he wants to do that. He knows. He knows that word of this is going to get out and it'll, it'll stir up a bunch of fan bases, not just the Cardinals, but several of them. There are certain coaches that... If your team could hire that guy, you fire your head coach no matter who it is. Oh, yeah. Is Sean Payton that guy? Is Sean Payton the yes. guy that, you know what, it doesn't matter how many years I have left on Cliff King. Cliff, if you had one year left or five years left, it doesn't matter. I got a chance to go get him. Yes. I mean, didn't Seattle, did Seattle do that with, with um, Pete Carroll? With, because when, with Mora? Mora was only there for one year and then I hired Pete Carroll. Was did, they, a- did they get rid of Mora because they just couldn't, because you got a chance at Pete? I don't recall. But there are certain guys, like if you could get them, like back at Bill Parcells. You can get Bill Parcells. You're Dallas. You hire Bill, you're the Jets. You get Bill Parcells. Mm-hmm. Bill Parcells wants to coach your team. You you fire whoever's there and you hire Bill Parcells. Is Sean Payton that type of coach that no matter who your coach is, unless he's one of the top, like say, top 10 guys, that you fire the coach and you hire yeah, him. You, you do get, you, you're right. You have to qualify that a little bit. It you're does, not firing it, Mike Tomlin. It does matter a little bit who your coach Bill is. Belichick. But if you're coming off a couple of mediocre seasons or a mediocre season, yeah. But but also, keep in mind, too, with Sean Payton, and I really do believe this, it's not just about firing your coach. It's about a whole house cleaning. It's about it's control. It's he would, yeah. Top to bottom. I mean, it's it's general manager and coach. That's just how that's going to be. He's, he's going to want say in that. He's going to want a general manager that he's worked with or somebody that he knows he can kind of control in that regard because the power is going to run through Sean Payton and and that you know we've talked about this we've talked about the four things that you have to have to get Sean Payton you have to have money to pay him because he can be very expensive can we start can we start can we start there sure Belichick's the highest paid coach in the league at 20 million Pete Carroll at 15 Sean McVay at 14 Mike Tomlin at 12 and a half Andy Reid at 12. 
You you can't you're not gonna be able to go lower than that to get Sean Payton. No, you're gonna have to make him the number two highest paid coach in the league. You have to pay him fifteen million dollars a year. Yes, and if you're paying Cliff, whatever you're paying Cliff, maybe you're paying paying Cliff seven or eight. You're gonna pay twenty two million dollars a year for the next four years for a head coach. <laughs> No, but I'm just like, I'm, no, I know, you're let's right. be realistic. Yeah. In, in addition so if, to whatever so, you're paying to buy out Steve, hypothetically, if you do something like that. Say Cliff is say Cliff is $8 million a year. Okay, and I don't know what Cliff is, but say it's $8 million a year, and you've got to pay 15 to, or maybe, what, say, 16 Can you pay $24 million a year for the next four years if you're Michael Bidwell? I don't know. I don't know. Plus, I, you would have to fire your GM and pay that. Yes. Say that's $5 million a year. Thirty million, and you're gonna have to hire a new GM. So you give him five, thirty-five million dollars a year. You're talking about what a hundred million right dollar transaction paying, when it's all said. Right and done? now you're paying thirteen. So you would go from say you're paying thirteen million now, and this is a rough estimate, but it's probably pretty close. Say you're paying thirteen million dollars right now for your head coach and your GM for the next four years. If you want to do this, you got to spend thirty-five million dollars. Mm-hmm. But to your point, if Sean Payton wants you. If Sean Payton, like, if he's a guy who wants you, don't you have to want him back? Right? Is he now for me? Look, it's easy for me to say this. It ain't my money, you know. Uh, so I, I, I can only look at it from the perspective of a fan, of somebody who covers this team, somebody who talks about this right, team. But you know, that's not the only way to look oh, at it. Of course, it. I know that. Of course, I know we that. We have to take into account the finances. But from my perspective, Sean Payton, Sean Payton wanting you is like Kevin Durant wanting you in the NBA. Oh, Kevin Durant wants to come here. We got to find a way to make this work, right? Like you, you, you have to reciprocate that. You have to. You, you don't. LeBron, right, but Sean Payton's not. I really want you. Well, really, great. Could you? Could, can you do it? For, you know, I got to pay this oh, other I, coach. For, could you take eight? Because I got to pay the other coach like eight a year. Could you take less? He doesn't want you that bad. That's not going to happen. No, right? You're no, I pay want him. you, but you got to pay me. You've got to pay me. Among the top three highest paid coaches in the league would for me you, to come would here. Would you not do this because of him? I'm not. I don't. I don't know the financials. Like I don't know. Like I. I would. I would want him like you. I mean, I'm. I'm still a fan too. Mm-hmm. Right. So I. I want the Cardinals to do really well. I could get Sean Payton. Yeah, that guy's a winning coach. But, but he demands respect. He's going to make you better. But again, it's going to be a very expensive transaction. You got. It's going to be ex- extremely expensive because you're tied to the other coach for four more years. And when you add the two guys together, I'm telling you, you're going to be paying 23 to $25 million a year for a head coach for the next four years. That's $100 million over four years. Is, would, is Michael, would Michael Bidwell do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if we're going to get the chance to find out or not. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Xander Bogarts, any way he makes his way to the Valley. Gambo's got the latest next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. There was just a second there today where Major League Baseball thought that Aaron Judge was headed to the San Francisco Giants. I know. Yankees manager Aaron Boone, quote, I know nothing. It was an uncomfortable hour. 
We haven't heard anything, close quote. There's a report from uh, John, John Heyman, Heyman. Yeah. who tweeted out that, that the Giants are going to get Aaron Judge. And within about 15 minutes, he's like, my bad. I jumped the gun. My apologies. My apology. It was, it was incorrect. He's getting torched Had for <laughs> that. Not cool, man. <laughs> he, is getting... he tweeted out, and people take screenshots of this stuff, that uh, Judge appears headed to the Giants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's... Getting ripped for it right now. Yeah. yeah. Now, that being said, I believe he also broke the news that has been confirmed that Cody Bellinger is headed to the Chicago Cubs yes. on a one-year deal worth about $18 like, million. Like, man, I need something really good to make up for what I just did. <laughs> give me, give me, can you give me a cookie? Can you give right. me something, please? Anything to make me look good to this yeah. uh, baseball public? So nothing yet on Aaron Judge. In the meantime, the Arizona Diamondbacks, rumors swirling. Their 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 name is being connected to plenty of players yeah. out there. Lots of ditch, ditch catchers. Like catchers, Sean Murray. Murphy is one. Christian Vasquez is another. I saw uh, on Twitter today a suggestion, again, not a report, just a suggestion that maybe the White Sox would make Liam Hendricks their closer available, and maybe the, the Diamondbacks could get in on that potentially. Yeah, and that was, see, that was talk about one of the out. Now, that was talk about one of the outfielders because the White Sox need an outfielder. So that was okay. In particular, a left handed hitting outfielder. A left handed hitting yes. outfielder. The problem I have with that is that. Hendricks is going to be 34 years old. Yes. Do you want to trade a 22-year-old, 23-year-old outfielder for a 34-year-old reliever? No. 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 The answer is no. That's a, that's an easy one. No. Right. I do not. He's going to be 34 in February. Sure, he's good. You know, he's a good player. He had 37 saves last year, 38 the year before that. He's really come into his own. Now, listen. If I'm one player away and it's a closer, I get it. I get it. I'm one player away. The Diamondbacks are one player away. You know, I'm not trading a top player in my organization for Liam for 34 year old Liam Hendricks, who's been on one, two, three, four, five, six. This would be a seventh team. Yeah. Yes, he's good, but not worth that. He's really good, and he's not that expensive either. But still, he's. I, I totally agree with you on that one. And in fairness, again, it was more of a suggestion than it was a report. Kind of like the Sean Murphy thing was more of a suggestion. Well, the Sean Murphy thing's a little different. But this was just a hey, Liam Hendricks might be available. They need a left-handed bat in their outfielder in their outfield. Would the Diamondbacks be a good fit? Right. The Sean Murphy thing came from Nick Picoro, the longtime beat writer who's covered the Diamondbacks for AZ Central. And he's reporting the Diamondbacks are among the teams talking with the A's about catcher Sean Murphy. He's got three years of club control left on his contract. He's coming off of a good season. He's ranked among the most valuable catchers in the majors. It's expected that the A's are going to have lots and lots of options to deal with him, which means the price is going to go up in terms of what you'd have to give up to get him. It's not being reported the Diamondbacks would have to give up one of their young outfielders to get him. It's just kind of suggested that the price tag might veer into that 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 amount because there are going to be so many teams that are going to want him. Nick's not reporting oh, he's a good that they're going to trade one of their outfielders for Sean Murphy or that they're even talking about one of their outfielders for Sean Murphy, just that it's probably going to get really expensive in terms of the prospects you're going to have to give up, and that might be what it takes if that's what you really want to get. Yeah, listen, the Diamondbacks view the catcher position is not like, you know, this isn't the old days when Johnny Bench and Thurman Munson and Carlton Fisk and those guys would all catch, you know, 150 games, like everyday catcher. They don't view the position now. 
that way. They don't they don't want to wear out their catchers. So, you know, they view it as a you've got to have two guys. You've got to have two guys that can catch. They got one in Carson Kelly, though they'd like to go get another one. But how much they'd be willing to give up for that second catcher, I don't know. I don't think it'd be a lot because again, it's a second catcher. It's not a guy that they're gonna look at and say, This guy's gonna play 150 games because they just don't look at catchers that way anymore because of the wear and tear and things like that. So I do think that they are in the market for a catcher. I really do. I don't think they would trade any of their better prospects for one, but Sean Murphy's a good player. I, I mean, I like him. That's a name that makes a lot of sense. He got off to a really good start last year as well, but you know, as long as you're not giving up any of your top players for him, I'm all for it. Yeah, and it just might have to take that to get him because the A's are going to have plenty of plenty of opportunities. Of course, the name is still getting a lot of run out there is Xander Bogarts, um, the shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, who's a free agent. Uh, his name has been connected to the Arizona Diamondbacks. You have said repeatedly, and I believe you, that the Diamondbacks just don't feel like they can afford him, that he's going to be too expensive, that they would have to make other moves to make it happen. But that has not stopped people from continuing to connect Xander Bogarts to the Diamondbacks, yeah. which, which I, I'm I'm baffled by. I mean, I understand it to a certain extent, but it, it has not stopped at all. Yeah, the path to get there is, is, is a difficult one. Uh, and I said it's highly unlikely that they would be able to get him because of, one, the amount of money that he would require to pay a guy like that. Two, uh, was the position change because a week ago he was not willing to play any of the position besides shortstop, although today his aging came out and kind of said that he could age gracefully and play second or third because he's trying to create more of a market exactly for his player. He said, yeah. But I know that the Diamondbacks would have to move off of one or two of their higher priced salaries to get him in for this year's budget, which means they would have to trade Madison Bumgarner and have a team take a lot of that contract on or maybe trade Nick Ahmed. So if you found out like in an hour, like, hey, the Diamondbacks just traded Madison Bumgarner, they're getting Bogarts. So if at any point you hear that the D-backs have traded Madison Bumgarner, then I would say it's very safe to say that they are doing that because they are going to get Bogarts. But I don't expect that anybody wants Madison Bumgarner or Nick Ahmed, so I think it's almost damn near impossible for them to get him. Now, we'll see if more and more teams, you know, fall out and there's nobody left, maybe you get him at a at a cheaper deal. I don't think that'll be the case, but again, I think it's highly unlikely that they could get Bogarts. Yeah, the Trey Turner contract was seen as kind of problematic. Now there are reports out there that that agents at the winter meetings think that Xander Bogarts is going to get well below what Trey Turner did. Like, I mean, it's still a lot of money, $180 million to $200 million, and Trey Turner got, what, $300 million? Yes. So there's some agents that are guesstimating Bogarts will get something around $180 to $200. It, it is, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's why Boris said what he said today, why he felt like he had to say what he said. Like, the offers aren't coming in. It's not as robust as he thought. It was one of those, oh, by the way, he can play second for you. Oh, by the way, he can play third. And I only took note of that because that was one of the conditions that had to be met for the Diamondbacks to be interested in him, right? They weren't interested in him as a shortstop and a shortstop only. There's no point to that. Jordan Lawler's coming. He's going to be here in a year or two. Right. The only way you could even start to have interest in Xander Bogarts would be if there's a willingness to play a different position, namely third base. If that willingness is there, that's at least one condition that has been solved in order for the Diamondbacks to consider Xander Bogarts. There are still plenty of others. The first and foremost most being money. Money, 
right? And then the position change and then get off the contract. The Diamondbacks, if you go look at the Diamondbacks salaries going forward, they don't have a lot of money tied up in, next, in the next few years. Like no. to tell Marte. So they're in a really good situation without a lot of long-term contracts right now. But for this year, they've still got some pretty big contracts on the board. Yeah, you would think so. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. There's no way around it. You can't avoid it. Luka Doncic is a terrible matchup for the Phoenix Suns. Can anything change that? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.